Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little, and I'm here today with the 61st episode of Weekly Poker Hand. And this is a pretty interesting spot that I find myself in on the river in a $2,000 buy-in event from the Borgata. So I have King-10 offsuit um, in the big blind with 20,000 chips at 50 100 So uh, I have 200 big blinds to start the hand, so we are very deep. The player under the gun decides to limp. And, you know, who knows what this is. You're going to find that the players in a lot of the local tournaments, particularly in America, are very, like, loose and passive. And I don't think that really says too much about this player's limping range. Then everyone folds around to the player in the small blind, who seems to be a tight, aggressive player. He limps, and I decide to check with my king-10. I don't really think there's much merit in raising preflop. I know some players really like attacking limpers, and perhaps I'm a little bit prone to not attack limpers because when people limp in the higher stakes games, they tend to not be always weak or always strong or anything like that. They tend to be somewhat balanced, although most people aren't limping a lot. But in the small stakes games, a lot of people will just limp and then call your raise and check fold the flop every time. So I certainly do see merit in raising this, but King 10's pretty bad, and I'm happy just to check and see what develops. Um, also, if you are a good player... You typically want to keep pots as small as possible pre-flop so that you can exploit your opponents on the later streets when you have a very deep stack. So that is certainly worth mentioning, especially whenever you're out of position. You don't really want to be doing that in position. If I was in position, I probably would have raised the king-10 offsuit. The flop comes king-10-8, all spades. I have no spade, of course. And small blind checks. If this was a raised pot, I'd pretty much always check to the preflop raiser. This is a spot where the preflop raiser should be betting a ton, assuming you raise from early position, because he should have a lot of big cards or pairs plus a spade draw. But in limp pots, I think betting out is certainly fine. In limp pots, you have no reason to believe the initial limper is going to bet, because a lot of limpers will just limp in with a bunch of trash, try to flop a good hand, and then if they don't, they just give up. So I think betting out's perfectly fine. I think betting or checking are acceptable options. I think I'd lean towards betting in this spot around 250, but checking is very fine. I tend to mix up my play in this spot a decent amount. If the board was not three to a flush, I would also check, looking for a check raise. So it turns a queen. Small blind bets 250 into the 300 pot. And again, this is a player who I view as a tight, aggressive guy, although I'm not entirely sure because this is very early in the day. So king, 10, eight, queen, three spades, all on the flop. He bets 250 on the turn. At this point, I'm losing to a lot of hands. I lose to king-queen. I lose to any set, although he probably doesn't have a set. I lose to any flush. He certainly could have a flush. And I lose to the straights. And for that reason, I don't really like raising in this scenario. I think this is a spot where a lot of amateur players raise. And what happens is that forces their opponent to call with either very good made hands, which I'm in marginal shape against, or with very good draws, which I'm slightly ahead. So... I think raising is an option. It's not as crazy as it may seem, but I don't really like the play. I much prefer calling and seeing what develops. Then the river is pretty good. It's the king of clubs. So now I have a full house. I have the second nuts, which is good. <laughs> I certainly expect to have the best hand every time here. So my opponent bets 300, which is very small. I would assume my opponent would bet larger with most of his range here. When he bets small, I think he probably has a queen and is going for thin value, or maybe a straight and is going for thin value. Um, 
Yeah, so that, that would be generally what I would assume this player has. So I know I'm going to raise. I just have to figure out how much I'm going to raise. And I think this is a spot that depends a lot on your opponent. If you think your opponent's going to put you on having a lot of bluffs if you raise large, I think raising large is fantastic. But if you think they're going to put you on a lot of premium made hands when you raise large, obviously raising large is not a great play because your opponent's just going to fold everything. But that being said, I think this opponent either has a queen, which he may hero call with, or perhaps even something as strong as a weak flush, which he's always going to call with. So I think I prefer a big raise. And also, I recognize that I have the image of a player who is at least reasonably active. So for that reason, I think I prefer a big raise. So we bet 300. I'm probably going to make it fairly large. And I make it 1850. So a huge raise. And I like this. I, I think the best play is either raise huge or raise small. And I'm a big fan of raising big. It, it makes you very difficult to play against. And also will keep, keep your opponents guessing, right? You want to do anything you can to make them level themselves. And I think a small raise, you're going to get called way more often. But when you get called, it's not for very many chips, first off. Like, say it makes it 300, I make it 700. He's going to call a lot, but I'm only getting 400 chips. Maybe he calls this bet a third as often, but notice I'm getting way more chips. So I go from getting, instead of 300 or 400 additional, I'm getting 1,800, or I'm getting um, four, 1,500 additional, and that's just huge. So this bet needs to get called 20% as often as the small raise, and I promise you it will. It'll get more called more like 33% to 50% as often. So, to my surprise, my opponent clicks it back on me, although maybe slightly bigger than an absolute clickback, and he makes it 3,400. <sighs> So what in the world does this mean? I have the second nuts, so I'm very happy with my hand. But I do lose to a hand that is at least somewhat likely, right? King-Queen is likely. I don't think that King-Queen is completely out of the question. Um, I mean, if I had King-Queen in this hand preflop, I would have just checked preflop, and I could have King-Queen in the spot. And I think my opponent could call preflop with King-Queen as well. So I think that he could easily have the King-Queen. The question really is, will this player make this raise with King-8, or maybe something like pocket-10s, or a flush. And this is hard for me to know because in the higher stakes games, most players are doing this with a bluff, usually just like naked ace of spades, or they're doing it with king queen or king 10. And that's going to be pretty much it. So, and also you have to ask yourself, is this guy really going to be bluffing, right? I mean, a lot of people just do not have the bet re-raise play in their arsenal at all. So if he's not bluffing, and we assume he's competent, meaning his range must be king-queen or king-10. Should I re-raise or should I call? And if he's competent and I think that is his range, king-queen or king-10, then I think I have a pretty easy call. Um, if I think his range is king-queen, king-10, king-8, and maybe pocket-8s, then maybe I could justify re-raising. But even then, you don't know if your opponent's going to make a huge hero fold if you re-raise him. And obviously that would be a disaster because we're just getting no value out of our hands. So this is a spot, especially early in a soft tournament and all the tournaments that are, you know, main events or lower at Borgata are definitely very soft. Any tournament that gets a thousand people or even 300 people is going to be soft enough. Of course, you know, some, some tournaments or some specific tables are different, but this is a spot where I definitely do not want to go broke, right? And I, I think it's a really big disaster to re-raise. Say I make it 7,000 and my opponent calls or jams. I mean, if he calls, I'm obviously happy because it means I am chopping or winning. But if he jams on me, I'm obviously very sick. 
So I could see re-raising for value with the intention of folding if he jams me. But who knows? Maybe he jams king 10, or maybe he jams with king 8, or maybe he jams with a flush just because he is blatantly overvaluing his hand. So this is a spot where there's a lot of guessing going on when it comes to how often or how, how often is my opponent going to overvalue a hand that I would not overvalue, but some players would. Like some players see ace 2 of spades here and think it's just a super nuts and they're piling their stack in. And then other players see king 8 and they're considering folding. So it's really hard to know, especially early in a tournament. So I decided to call. Looking back, I think I probably should have re-raised, but re-raising really does open the door for you making a huge error by folding if you if your opponent shoves on you. But um, yeah, so I decided to call. My opponent did show king-10, so that's certainly reasonable. After this hand, a few of the people at the table actually started berating me, saying, how do you not re-raise with a full house? How do you not re-raise? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure I probably thought for forever before just calling, because... Seems like a pretty obvious re-raise spot, but early in this tournament, I decided to just call. Again, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of opening myself up to getting outplayed for huge pots, and also, I don't know anything about my opponent. I mean, he's a completely unknown player to me. But yeah, so if you see someone at the table make a play, definitely do not berate them for any reason. All that does is make you look like an idiot, and lets your opponent know what you are thinking. And um, yeah, you don't want to do that. I remember one guy said something to the effect of, oh man, he could easily have the nut flush. And in my mind, like no competent players betting the river, getting raised huge, and then re-raising with the nut flush because you're only getting called when you're beat. So that kind of comment lets me know that, oh, this guy's likely going to be prone to overplaying hands like that in the future. So keep your mouth shut at the poker table. Don't let your opponents know what you're thinking. And um, especially if your opponent is, or the guy who makes the questionable play in your mind is thought to be a good player, Maybe you can learn something from it. But in this spot, I think I think it's close between re-raising small on the river and calling. But yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty tough spot. If you like interesting situations like this and, you know, just learning poker in general, I strongly suggest you check out my new book that is... It's been getting fantastic reviews, which I'm obviously very happy about. It's called Excelling at No Limit Hold'em. You can get it at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash buyexcelling. It's all one word at the end. And in this book, there are a ton of hands that illustrate interesting spots where the quote-unquote common play is not necessarily the mathematically right play. And if you can find, if you can learn to think for yourself about these situations and come up with the right play in real time, you are going to do much better than if you play in a robotic style or just if you play how everyone else in your games play. So uh, check it out. Excelling at No Limit Hold'em. It has content from all of these authors. Um, I got tried to get together groups of poker play, or a group of poker players who I thought would be able to give a lot of really inform- really interesting information to everyone. And I'm very happy with the book. It's a huge book, so... It'll take some time to get through, but really, it's more so just like 17 or 18 chapters that are around 20 pages long, so you can certainly devour the book slowly and get a lot from it. So check it out, Excelling at No Limit Hold'em. Thank you very much for watching this podcast or listening to this podcast if you're listening on iTunes, and I will talk to you next time.